Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. with each other and get to worship with each other we should like relish this time of the week that we can come in here and, and do this there's a there's people that can't for whatever reason maybe they're ill maybe they're homebound there's people in other countries that it's just not it's not safe or feasible to come together and, and we get to do it every sunday and there's really zero resistance for us to get here especially on a winter like this probably not going to have a white Christmas, are we? And we're okay with that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we can come together so easily to meet, to join, to convene, to edify each other. But first and foremost, it's to exalt you. It's to to sing you praise. It's to bless your holy name. It's to, it's to just be the body of Christ singing out in worship. What a glorious thing. Help us to never take it for granted. Help us to never um, just think, hey, it's, it's just another Sunday. We can miss this one or that one, Lord God. Help us to understand why it is so incredibly important for us to be here in this environment worshiping you. Father, we just thank you so much this time of season where seemingly the world is a little bit more focused upon maybe it's just the holiday of Christmas, but Lord, we have an opportunity to to speak to them and, and help them understand why it's so much more than just a holiday and what Christmas truly is. Jesus, we ask you to be here with us today to guide us, to open our eyes, to open our ears. Jesus, we ask that you you be with those that are ill or having health issues, Lord God. Even right now, Ron, Lord God, we lift Ron up right now. Lord God, give wisdom to the doctors. But doctors can only do so much. So Jesus, we're asking for your healing touch upon upon anybody that's that's, uh, ill or having health issues right now. We pray that because we believe that you have a desire to heal people. And ultimate healing is when we come to you and we humbly submit. We accept your sacrifice. We ask for forgiveness and And then, Lord, our eternity has been changed. So even the things we have to deal with here on earth, the the trials, the tribulations, the, the sicknesses and the struggles, Lord, we see them differently because our eyesight has been extended into the eternal. And that's what we pray. The ultimate healing for people is that they come to you, Jesus. We also pray for those that are suffering from busyness. The busyness of this time of year, Lord God, help us to all reprioritize things and, and put things in the proper, the proper order, Lord God. You're number one. You always have to be number one. Jesus, be with us. 
as we work through this, this last message. Help us to understand, help us to apply. Most of all, once again, be glorified, Jesus. We pray this in your name. And everyone shout it out. Amen. 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 You guys can be seated, except for the kids. The kids can't be seated. They can go downstairs. Yeah. Yay. Yay for the kids. Oh, my God. All right. A couple quick announcements that we have here. Let's see. Today, after service, west of 50s, it's the Christmas party directly after service. So I'm not going to tell you what to bring or, or anything else because we're already here. But uh, plan on attending that if you're a 50-pluser in here. Um, and that'll be basically, you know, right after service. And then we have some kitchen things coming up, right? The 14th and 15th, the ladies are going to meet 11 each day to kind of remove stuff out of the cupboards, remove stuff out of the kitchens to get it in um, preparation for, for the 16th this coming Saturday to, to do a little demo. Just a little demo. I'm going to remove a few things. And, and if you have any um, desire to help, just please show up Saturday. Um, just come Saturday morning. We'll get started probably 8 or 9, and then we'll just kind of try to get... We're going to try to get most of it done. Um, we have carpet that needs to come out, some cabinets that need to, to, to come down. A lot of stuff needs to just kind of be taken to the trash. So if you, if you have time, please come in. Many hands make a mess, right? But it also makes the work go quicker and, and much light, lighter. And then uh, the new thing that the cafe is doing is double punch Sundays. So not punch like we drink, but like punch. So on your punch, punch cards, if you don't have a punch card, you need one. Um, you, how many do you do and then you get a free drink? 10, 9, 10, 12. It's like an auction. You do something and then you get a free drink. But on, but on the last Sunday of the month, you buy one drink and you get two punches. So we're not trying to promote caffeine addiction. It just happens. We don't have to promote it. Half of you guys are addicted anyway. But you might as well get a double punch, right? So on the last Sunday, make sure, make sure you get two coffees. Then you get four punches and, and all that. <laughs> And then lastly, I just want to, to uh, throw this out to you. Um, we as a church body want to bless a couple households um, that are close and near to us. Um, so we'll take a, a little bit. If you feel led to, to, to do a Christmas offering, knowing that it's going to go directly to, to um, some, some different families, uh, Reva and Blair will be in the back on your way out. You can just drop something or... You can designate that in your giving. We'll do this pretty much this week and next week in the preparation for Christmas. But man, it's that time of year, man. We all seem to be a little bit more festive and, and giving, but sometimes we don't know the best way to give. Um, this is a great way. We leave this up to the pastoral care team to, to um, figure out what needs to be done and where it needs to go. So please, if you're feeling led to do that, just please do that. As well as our normal offering, um, 
you can give online, bridgehelena.com, or through the app. Again, with those, those modes of giving, you can, you can designate on the app and, and on your, your computer or phone or whatever. You can also text the amount to 84321. I'm not sure that you can designate with that one, um, but that's okay. We can just tell Mel and she can do that, I think. Giving boxes, of course, there's the envelopes. You can designate on that or you can mail it and you can send us a letter. You can, you can tell the pastor that he preaches too long or not long enough. You can do all of that in your giving if you're sending it by mail. You do whatever. I don't see the giving, so I'm saying feel free to do that. <laughs> Just kidding, kind of, not really. All right, well, with that being said, we are ready to get on with this message. And this is one of those things I was, I was telling um, Jen this morning. So if you're visiting today, what a great day to come because we are finishing our series on, on the book of Colossians and it's been so great. But this is actually part 26 and if you know how many weeks are in a year, 52, this is six months. We've been in Colossians for six months. That's a half of a year. And, and uh, I don't know, it's probably not the same for you, but for me, digging this deep, I feel like I've had a deep relationship with the book of Colossians. And now that we're on the last one, it's, it's, almost, like, it's almost like my friend is... is is moving away, right? It's like, what am I going to do Monday, Tuesday? How this next message that's coming up, it's going to be so weird that it's not in Colossians, but everything has to come to an end. And, and this is one of those things and that's okay. So let's pray for this message. Father, again, we are thankful to be in your house today. What a glorious morning it is. And, and once again, we do lift up those that are that are ailing and, and going through things and all that. We, again, we give, you, we give you that because we trust you. We pass that on to you um, because you already are holding it in your hand, but, but we can have confidence when we, when we pray to you. Today, Lord God, as we, we go through this, this final message in this series, Lord God, help us to, to just get everything that you have for us to get. Help us not to miss anything. Help us to be... Um, attentive, but also to put this into action within our own lives. And, and Lord God, give us an opportunity to do just that. Holy Spirit, our, our trust is in you today. So, so help me to speak those things that you would desire me to speak. Shut my mouth with everything else. Lord God, prompt us, convict us, Confirm in us, Lord God, if we need to be praying for somebody or with somebody, Lord God, help us to, to follow through with that. If we, if we have conviction in our life, Lord God, help us to, to follow through with, with repentance and in those things. If we have conflict in our life, Lord God, help us to sort through that. If we have unforgiveness in our life, Lord God, help us to, to, to deal with that and move on. Because every time we move on, we move closer to you. So Jesus, today, in this message, in our actions, in our time of communion, Lord God, be glorified. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And once again, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, today is the last day of this, of this last piece in, in, in our series. Um, and then really what, I'm going to lay this out the next few Sundays, what, what things are going to look like. So next Sunday, 
will kind of be a pre-Christmas message, right? And it's going to be a good one. Um, I think you guys will enjoy that. So plan on coming next Sunday for a pre-Christmas message. And then on Christmas Eve, because it's on a Sunday, we're just doing a morning service, and that will be our Christmas Eve service. So please, please, please plan on attending that. And then because Sunday's Christmas Eve, the next Sunday is New Year's Eve, and that's exciting because McKenzie is going to be preaching that day. That's going to be awesome. Um, going to be great. And then, um, and then the next Sunday, um, we don't know who's going to be preaching. It might be Stephen. If Stephen and Danny are still here, it might be Stephen. Or if if Amy gets a message, it could be Amy. It, who knows? Who knows what's going on? But but that's kind of how things are gonna gonna work out. And and again, in God's timing, it's so interesting to me that that we're ending this series this week, so we have next week for that pre pre Christmas. And and honestly, I'm I'm kind of an an order number kind of nerd. So to have twenty six parts to Colossians is like. Ooh, that's so orderly, right? Half a year, it's good stuff. Well, let's get started. Um, Obviously, if you've been with us the last six months, you know that we've come a a long, long way in a very short book, and and we have taken our time doing doing it, and and I understand that that some people were like, gosh, are we ever going to get through this? But but Colossians is packed so full of stuff, or where there were Sundays where we could only get through one or two verses, and I think that was appropriate. And I hope you've learned throughout this time. I hope you've been challenged, and I hope you've gained a greater appreciation for the book of Colossians. But this morning, we come to the end, and we come to the part of the letter that's known as the conclusion. But whatever you do this morning, please don't tune out because there is some, some great insight that's, that Paul is still passing on to each one of us. So one last time, one last time, let's look at the three main reasons for Paul writing this letter. Number one, Jesus is central and supreme to all and in all things. Number two, Jesus is the Son of God. And number three, we are to strive to live a life in Christ. And hopefully over the last six months, you have adopted these into your prayer life and you've kind of made them more more Christ-centered in your prayer life, more personal. And we do that by just just wording it like this. We just, Jesus, when, when we're praying to Jesus, you are, you absolutely are central and you are supreme to me And in all things, all things, completely all things in my life, in Jesus, I do believe you are the Son of God. And in Jesus, I will constantly strive and and, and continually strive to live a life in you as as my Lord and as my Savior. Those are just, just great things to be praying. Wouldn't you agree? Now, like I said, we have come a long way in the the really the body. The gist of this letter is now complete in which Paul has, has met head on the, the false teachings that were threatening the church in Colossae. If you remember the, the, the reason Paul was prompted to, to write this letter at this time is because all those, those false teachers were coming against the church. They were propagating these, 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 just this false theology in the church. And, and Paul thought it very necessary to confront those things 
Now remember, he didn't confront the false teachers directly. Rather, he, he wrote the letter to the faithful believers, equipping them so that they would know how to address these false teachings as well as the false teachers. And after going through what we've gone through all the way up until today, I think we can all agree that Paul has, has done this. He has constructed this letter in a well-organized and, and to-the-point way, but it's also a very encouraging way. He has encouraged the believers in the church to move forward. Again, last week we talked about how it wasn't just a, a, you know, like a manual. Hey, this is how you expel false teachings out of your church. It wasn't, it wasn't dry. It wasn't a general statement. He was, he was engaged with the faithful believers in the Colossian church. And through the entire process, he encouraged them in Christ Jesus. He also kept it very personal and, and compassionate to those faithful believers that he was writing to. He never stepped away from that. And, and I think we can glean that from, from reading Colossians. And I think if we read it correctly, we are a benefit. Uh, uh, what would you say? Uh, we're, we benefit from that, right? We, we see how personal he is and how compassionate and encouraging he is to them. And yet we can take that for ourselves. At least that's how we should read the scriptures, because after all, they are alive. When the reader then, as well as the reader now, we should look at this letter and we should say, okay, this isn't just a book of the Bible that I breeze through. It's one we slow down on and, and we, we, we understand these things and all these things that Paul is, Paul is saying and, and, and it's simple and it's, and it's fundamental. And, and really what, what, what Paul is, is portraying through this entire letter is that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord and that Jesus Christ is completely sufficient. And I say that and, and we're sitting in church and we all say, well, yeah, duh, of course he is. But we have to understand that he really is. Knowing it and understanding it is different than actually living that out. Are you living a life that testifies that Jesus Christ is the sovereign Lord and that he is completely sufficient? I hope you are. I hope I am. That's a daily thing. And Paul has set forth that the, the nature of the Christian life in this epistle. And he has addressed the, the need for God's ordained order in our life, in our, our families, and in all of those things. And, and he has exhorted us to, to pray and to really share our life in Christ with the unbeliever in an appropriate and an effective way, right? There's ways to share our faith in Christ that, that maybe aren't as appropriate or maybe not quite as effective but when we ask the holy spirit to guide us in that things change drastically really in a nutshell this letter sums up um, the important steps and fundamental pieces of being a believer in christ such an important book of the bible so now let's see how paul brings all of this to a conclusion in his writings. I'm going to warn you right now that there are a lot of funny names in these last few verses. And names to which I am probably going to butcher. 
But because you have grace toward each other, I ask that you extend some grace to me. So if I say a name wrong, well, we're just going to go with it, right? So let's see what it says. Colossians 4, starting in 7 and 9. As to all of my affairs, Tychicus, whatever, who is a much-loved brother and faithful assistant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will give you all the information. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are doing, and that he may encourage your hearts, and with him is Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you. They will let you know everything about the situation here in Rome. Paul held a love for this church and and shared in the burden that the church was going through. His instruction and, and his encouragement is now complete, but Paul in his pastoral love goes one step further. He sends these two men not only to personally deliver the letter, but to also spend time with the faithful believers and to encourage them. When was the last time the the mailman brought you a letter and said, hey, I want to come in. Can I sit with you and encourage you? I I was just with the person who wrote this letter. Now I want to really, I I, want to, I want to be with you. I want to, I want to get you excited. I want to stay with you, you know, several weeks. Would that, would that be okay? No, our mail system isn't quite like that. Half the time, uh, the package arrives and it's broken, right? <laughs> or they, it's pouring down rain and they feel it necessary not to put it under the porch, but to put it out in the rain. Just, you know, because it needs to be a little wet when we, when we receive it. See, this is much different. Paul is saying, I'm sending these two men, and it's men that I have trust in. And, and, and they're not only just going to drop it and run. They're not going to leave it on the porch. They're not going to leave it in the mailbox. They are going to stay with you in order to encourage you. Paul intro- introduces this, this man named Ty- Tychicius and. And, and he talks about him as a beloved brother, a faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord. In other words, they were to listen to him because Paul had placed his trust in him. Those are big words, right? If you want a great introduction, a great introduction would come from the Apostle Paul, right? So if the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, this is a faithful brother, this is, this, is, this is a friend in the Lord. You know, you're going to take that. You're going to be like, man, I want to spend time with this guy. I want to I sit with this guy. Paul then also mentions Onesimus. Does anyone in here recognize that name? A few of you? I would hope so. Onesimus is the runaway slave that Paul writes about in the book of Philemon, which is another really great epistle by Paul. It's, it's, it's always been a book that I, I want to do a series on is, is Philemon. And, and I don't think we could get Philemon the last six months. Maybe we would really try, but that may be like a, a one month series. But that might be coming up just because this, 
this Onesimus guy, this, this, this runaway slave, he's just an interesting guy, and, and Philemon is the slave owner, and Paul is, Paul is writing a message to, to, to Philemon who, who owned Onesimus. And, and, uh, but now we look at this, and Onesimus is described as a, as a faithful and a beloved brother as well, one who is one of you. Right, that's pretty, pretty amazing. Look at what Paul says, um, what Paul writes about Philemon, um, you know, or what he writes in Philemon about Onesimus. Once he was useless to you, but now he has, now he is indeed use, useful to you as well as to me. This is Paul talking about the slave, right? Isn't that great? No longer. Is he a slave to man? But now he is a bondservant to the Lord. So I, I want you guys to understand this. Flip, flip that slide. No matter where you are right now, your possible use in the kingdom can take you places you can never conceive. I think that was one with one of, of Onesimus's life lessons. Though he was born into slavery, he was a slave all his life. Um, there was something and it caused him to run away and know that wasn't lawful and, and really know that wasn't honoring. But, but what God did with that was amazing. And now Paul is talking about him in, in such a powerful and an important way. So it doesn't matter doesn't matter where we are right now. Our possible kingdom use awaits us. It's in front of us. And it can and, and will take us places that we can never conceive. The question has to become, how willing are you in here this morning? doesn't matter what age you are, I don't think. What matters is our willingness. Are you willing to do what needs to be done? Let's continue. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. That's a big, big name right there. Aristocrats, I think. My fellow prisoner wishes to be remembered to you, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, about whom you received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And from Jesus, who is called Justice... These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. They are Jewish Christians, and they have proved to be an encouragement and a comfort to me. So we understand that, that these three that Paul is now talking about, these are those that have come to Christ out of the Jewish faith, right? This is a letter um, to the Gentiles, right? This is, this is a Gentile letter, right? It's, it's a Roman province and, and things like that. But, but Paul, Paul, he finds it important to, to, to talk about these, these Jewish Christians. Arista, Aristarchus, I, I can't get that name. Who he was actually arrested in, in Ephesus and, and uh, he was imprisoned with Paul. So, this is a guy that's sharing Paul's chains, right? He is imprisoned for his faith. And Paul wanted the, the, the faithful in the Colossian church to remember him as well as to pray for him. That's Paul right there. He's like, he's not going to forget anybody. He's going to say, hey, don't forget this guy. And please pray for him as well, because he is in prison along with me. Paul also mentions Mark, 
the cousin of Barnabas. And this is the Mark that's actually the writer of the Gospel of Mark. Now, if you remember from reading Acts, Paul had a pretty major issue with, with Mark at one time. Let's look at it. It's Acts 15. Barnabas wanted Barnabas is, is would would be cousins with Mark. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement about Mark that they parted company. See, Mark had quit. They were on the first missionary journey. Barnabas and Paul and, 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 and Mark was with them, but, but Mark didn't last. He had walked out on him. He said, man, this is rough. I, I'm going back. I, I'm, I'm quitting. And, and he had left Paul and Barnabas during that time on their first missionary journey. It wasn't easy, right? It wouldn't have been easy. It's a, it's a lot of new territory. It's, it's walking. It's hardship and, and all of those things. But, but I have to believe that, that Barnabas and Paul were driven because of their desire to work for the kingdom. Well, something in Mark said, I, I, I'm not going to go with you. I'm going to turn around. So Paul had, had lost trust in Mark to the point that, that he was willing to argue the point with, with Barnabas, and, and this caused them to part ways, right? So now, now Paul and Silas go on the second missionary journey. Barnabas goes on his own missionary journey. In the long run, there was more territory that was evangelized, but we never like the conflict and, and, and the breaking up of things. You know, they did not part ways great, and it was caused by Mark quitting. But now, here in Paul's letter to the Colossians, reconciliation between Paul and Mark has occurred, and Paul describes him once again as a fellow worker for the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? That what had happened, reconciliation has now come, and, and Paul now has regained trust in Mark. Let this be a lesson to each one of us. Though we may make mistakes, with a humble heart and a desire for repentance, God can and will use us in important kingdom ways. Amen. Somebody in there needed to hear this. I don't know who it was. Probably more than one in here needed to hear that. See, this is the gospel of second chances. And we all need second chances. And then thirdly, Paul references a man named Justice. But, but really, we don't know much about him. And there's really nothing more that, that is um, said about him behind this mention in, in this portion of Colossians. Now, many believe that Paul states that these three fellow workers are the only Jewish Christians because really Paul felt an, an alienation from the Jewish people. So he's saying, hey, these are around me. Um, and, uh, and he makes it known that, that they are Jewish Christians, but he also makes it known that he takes comfort and encouragement from these three. Let's keep going. Let's see who else is on here. 
This is, this is 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you and a bondservant of Christ Jesus, sends you greetings. He is always striving for you in his prayer, praying with genuine concern, pleading that you may, as people of character and courage, stand firm, spiritually mature, and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he who has worked strenuously for you and for the believers in Laodicea and those in Hierapolis. In so many ways, Paul's letter comes full circle with the mention of Epaphras here. Epaphras, if you remembered, was mentioned back in in chapter 1 and in verse 7, and and many believe that it is Epaphras who went to Paul and said, hey, there's some stuff going on in the Colossian church. There's some false teachings that's occurring. There's these people that are coming against us. We need your help. We, we account that to, to Epaphras. So, so he left the church. And he said, I got to go talk to Paul. I got to get some insight on this. And there's a lot of wisdom in there. Epaphras is believed to be the, the, the church planner, the founder of the Colossian church. And, and really, he was Paul's representative. Paul can give him no higher accolades here than, than that of a man who is a bondservant of Jesus Christ and one of them, right? There's a closeness that occurs in our life with those who are both considered one of our own, as well as one of our brothers or sisters in Christ, right? So there's this closeness that occurs. It's a, it's a personal relationship. So being close to someone, and within that relationship, being close together with Christ, that is a special tie. It's a, it's a special bond. I hope you have that special bond here. And that's exactly why being a part, being a part of a local church, it's both important and beneficial. I know you guys understand that. You're here this morning. You, 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 you made an effort to be here. There's, there's an understanding that, that, that coming to church is important. But I hope you also understand that coming to church is beneficial for you. The faithful believers in the Colossian church had this relationship with, with Epaphras. Paul here reminds the church that, that, that he is always striving for them. He's striving for them in prayer. He is agonizing in prayer. He is, he is pleading in prayer with this genuine concern for his brothers and sisters, those faithful in the Colossian church. Epaphras was concerned that they would stand firm in the gospel, that they would continue to grow and mature in Christ, and that they fully desire God's will for their church and their households and, and each other in their lives. In this, he is, he is praying against the false teachings and the false teachers. So Epaphras, really he has this protective burden that comes from, from his deep concern for his friends. Paul also affirms Epaphras to the faithful believers that he has worked strenuously. He strained. There's a burden he pushed through for them. Don't we take comfort in knowing someone is fighting for us? Anybody in here? 
Sometimes, man, we're going through something and, and, and the best words, the greatest words we can hear is somebody coming up and, and, and they simply say, man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you guys. I'm praying for that situation. Man, I'm standing with you. I am standing with you hand in hand and, and, and I'm praying for you and I'm praying with you. Doesn't that change some things when we understand that somebody is praying for us, that, that, that someone loves us in such a manner? The Greek word here suggests that Epaphras is, is, is doing all this passionately, right? He's doing this under, under heavy toil, even, even to the extent of, of agony. See, this is how the early Christians lived their lives. This is how the early Christians prayed for each other with a fervent desire to fight for others in the spiritual sense, to seek God for them with a heavy toil and a, and a responsibility and a, and a burden. How often do we do that? How often do we actually pray how this was just described? And Epaphras did this, not only for the church in Colossae, but also the, the region around the church for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Epaphras is someone we should all aspire to be just a little bit more every day. Wouldn't you agree? I would. There's a lot to learn just from him. See, if we rush through different portions of scripture, if we're like, hey, we're going to do a two-week series on Colossians, we miss some of this. And we take this and we say, wow, if, if Epaphras was moved to do this, if he was led by the Holy Spirit to, to have such a burden for this church or, or these people or this region, then, then that's an example to us. That's instructions to us on how we are to pray. Let's keep going. We, we got a few more people we, we need to get to. This is, this is 14 and 15. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters in Laodicea and to Nympha in the church that meets in her house. Not much is said about Demas here, but we can also find Paul mentioning him in, in Philemon 24 as well as 1 Timothy 4.10. That's an interesting um, person to study and to, to look at, so I would encourage you to do that. And though it may seem that Paul says relatively little about Luke, we can actually learn a lot about Luke from this seemingly casual reference. It is from this verse right here that we learn that Luke was a physician. And we also know that within the context here, we know that he is a Gentile simply because he wasn't mentioned with the Jewish Christians that Paul had already mentioned. That's important because if you've read, I love the Gospel of Luke. Luke also wrote the book of Acts to un an understanding that, oh, Luke was a Gentile, the only Gentile writer in the entire Bible, and he was also a physician. It just helps us to maybe get more out of it, to glean, to glean more out of it. Paul uses the words beloved here. 
to describe Luke. That's also important because this shows that Paul considered Luke a close and a dear friend. A lot of people believe that, that, that Luke was, was there and he was going to care for Paul and he's just going to, you know, he's learning a lot, right? And he's, he's serving God, but, but Paul being, or Luke being a physician, that's an important guy to have around. But it was much more than that because Paul saw him as a, as a brother, a beloved brother, a dear friend. Lastly, Paul sends his greetings to the brothers and sisters in, in Laodicea. And then a very important greeting to Nympha and the, the church that meets in her house. It is believed that, that this house that, that Paul is referencing, it was in, in the near town of Hierapolis. That's not as important as, as understanding the importance here because at this time, in this region, right, Christianity wasn't exactly accepted. It wasn't the norm. The, the, the Roman government didn't really like Christians. It was persecuted. We could say it's basically, um, it wasn't overly legal to be a Christian or to have a Christian gathering. So we have to understand that there were no church buildings at this time in this region. So it's not like you could, you know, we drive through Helena and, and as Christians we're like, oh, there's a church. Oh, there's another church and another church. What we're actually saying is, oh, there's a church building and there's another church building and oh, there's another church building and oh, that church meets in that building. Well, that didn't occur here. There weren't buildings. The home church, the house church, it was not a cool offshoot like house churches are today, but it was in essence the gathering place of Christians. It was the church. And anyone who was willing to allow the church to meet in their house was running the direct risk of some pretty severe persecution. To be honest, it's the same risk Christians in, in China and in North Korea and, and in Iran and in places like that, they run that exact same risk. So we can somewhat have an understanding because there's still modern day persecutions going on. So imagine yourself living in China or North Korea or Iran and you're saying, oh, the Holy Spirit is saying we need to meet in my house. That's not a casual decision, is it? Casual decision is saying, Oh, it's Sunday. I think I'll drive up to Bridge. I think I'll park in the parking lot. I think I'll walk through the front doors. And you know what else I'm going to do? I'm early. I'm usually late to church because that's just kind of what happens. But since I'm early today, I'm going to go get a nice hot mocha because we can do all that. And then we're just going to casually talk to each other and then we're going to love on each other and then we're going to sit down and then we're going to have gin come up. And the, the noise, it's loud. I'm telling you, I, I'm, I've never been out there because I'm always in here worshiping, but I bet, I bet the neighborhood can somewhat hear our worship, right? We have all those benefits here because we're not persecuted. But we can kind of understand why Paul is saying, hey, he's acknowledging this, this lady and pray, pray for her because the, the church meets in her house. We got to be quiet. Don't turn the lights on. We're in the basement. We don't want people to, to know that shouldn't know 
we'll invite people to our house church, but, but, we're, but we're not putting it out on Facebook, right? We're not putting a sign out. We're not going to play our music loud and things like that. It's a persecuted church. So though we can have somewhat of an understanding because of, of the world that we live in today, we have to have a deeper understanding because of what was going on back then. Again, it's hard for us to fully comprehend or understand right now. That doesn't mean it will always be that way. Paul then leaves us some instructions for this letter in, in verses 16 and 17. When this letter has been read among you, see that it is read in the church of the Laodiceans and also that you in turn read my letter that is coming to you from Laodicea and say to Acrippa, see to it that you fulfill carefully the duties of the ministry which you have received in the Lord. You know what? I, I'm going to put this out there right now. If any of you want to continually remind me, even on Sunday mornings, Jason, see to it that you fulfill carefully the duties of the ministry which you have received in the Lord. What a great reminder to, to anybody that's in, in ministry. When we read this passage, we gain, the, gain an understanding that, that many of the epistles or letters that, that Paul wrote were meant to be shared. They were meant to be circulated around the, the churches and the regions that that original letter went to. Now, now I'm sure that when the, when the faithful believers in, in the Colossian church got this, this letter delivered, finally delivered, hand-delivered, and they read it. I'm sure they didn't read it once and said, oh, it says I'm supposed to pass it on to, to Laodicea. Here, here, here it goes. I'm sure they studied on this letter. I'm sure they read it and they reread it and then they reread it. And knowing that they needed to pass this original on, it's important to pass the original on, I'm sure they copied it, right? Why wouldn't you copy it? They hand wrote it down. It's like, boy, we might forget some of this, so, so we're going we're gonna to copy this. And then they would receive other letters from other church bodies, from other regions. And, and though those letters were not specifically written to them, they would have been just as, as beneficial. Just like all the letters that, that we find, all the epistles that we find in the New Testament are beneficial to each one of us. And God in His wisdom, his will, and his, his abilities has, has graciously preserved these epistles until they were canonized into what we know as the Holy Bible. And then that's what we use today. So they're still beneficial, aren't they? So what this is saying is, is that the, 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 the Bible, the gospel message, the epistles, they're meant to be shared. They're meant to be shared around with each other. Though we all have access to the Bible, we share it in our excitement and saying, hey, when was the last time you read the book of Colossians? Boy, we just spent six months going through the book of Colossians. And that person's like, you spent six months going through Colossians? What kind of church do you attend? And you say, man, we attend a great church connection, it's biblical, it's all that, but you bring this up and you're, you're speaking about what Paul um, needed to write to the faithful believers, but still is appropriate for us today. And now with a heavy heart, we come to the last verse of Colossians. That's 4.18. I, Paul, 
Write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains. May grace, God's unmerited favor and blessing, be with you. This is such a beautiful way to end this letter. See, like most people in that day, Paul dictated his letters to a stenographer. And in, in most cases, the, the stenographer would, would write the entire letter or the document. But Paul regularly said, you know what? I need you to stop writing. Give me the pen. I want to write this ending in my, my own handwriting. I want to, to sign off in my own words and in my own writing. That's that personal touch, right? That's like, you, you know, you get, a, you get a card through an email or, or somebody texts you something, and, it, and, and it's great and all, but when you get a, a card in the mail and that, that person has signed it, and it's, it's signed in their unique handwriting, which half of you guys can't even read it, but, but it's unique. That's special, isn't it? And Paul, Paul, man, he started this. He had that understanding that, that, that to write it in his, his own handwriting it, it was just better. It also would authenticate it a lot more, wouldn't it? And that's also why the original needed to be passed around so that, we, that they knew, hey, this is the original coming. It hasn't been changed by anybody. This brings us to this, really this simple and like I said, beautiful ending. And really this letter begin, ends as it began. If you, if you remember, if you remember all the way back to the, the beginning, um, it's this, just this simple and this, this pure and this profound prayer. Paul says, may grace be with you. May grace be with you. He starts that way. And he ends that way because that's what truly what, what, what Paul felt. It's all about Jesus, right? It's all about God's grace and, and let God's grace, that beauty of the unmerited gift of grace be with you. So we come to the end, right? Come to the end of our series. So that, that brings up a question for me and especially with this message because this message is so much different. There's not a, a lot of theology in this message to unpack, is there? It's, 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 we're just going through this closing. It's all these hard names to, to, to say and, and, and what's going on with that. So we have to ask the question, so what can we take away from today? And honestly, I've been really thinking about this in part because we just spent six months on this series. It's like it, it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds, and then it comes to the end, and it's, it's just mentioning all these people and what to do with this letter and, and all that. And, and, and honestly, I don't want to end on this obligatory or this irrelevant note. We could have we just simply said, hey, the gist of this letter is done. We're going to move on. We're going to have a different message today on something completely different. Number one, I'm not wired like that. I've got I to gotta see things to the end, but I got to see things to the, to the end, especially biblical things with, with the interest and, and, uh, and figure out why, why is this important? What, what, what made it necessary for this part to continue to be in the Bible? If it's in the Bible, it's important to us. So let's see. Let's see what we can get, 
get out of it. I'll leave that to you on your own. You can, you can judge that on your own. Um, but here's the conclusion that I personally have come to. And this is what I will choose to take away from this last piece, this last message, this last component in our series. Now, we know we, we started out with the understanding that, that Paul was imprisoned in Rome, right? Paul couldn't leave Rome. He was imprisoned there. And at the time that he wrote this, as well as some of the other letters. But, but did you know, did you know that, that Rome and, and Colossae were over a thousand miles apart from each other, depending on the route that, that, that one would take? Look at that. That is a long way. There's water crossings. There's all sorts of things. So depending on the route, it could be as much as 1,300 miles apart from each other. And some people are sitting here saying, yeah, so? But I would say, it's a big so. Because within this conclusion... Despite the separation in geographic distance, we see the love these Christians had for each other. Miles didn't separate that love. It didn't matter. They all believed in Jesus Christ. Therefore, they were brothers and sisters in Christ. So distance didn't matter. We see the concern and the, and the desire to hold one another up in prayer, right? Paul's praying for this church. Paul's asking that this church pray for him. The words that Paul uses conveys the bond that we as Christians are to share with each other. The importance of this letter is is only matched with the, the sacrifice that it took to transport this letter. The words in this letter are, are precious as well as valuable. And I take all that into account and I try to rationalize all that because I look at this conclusion, I look at this letter in, in regards to our modern day ability to, to communicate via text is instant. An email, a phone call. I can call halfway around the world and instantly talk to somebody. I can send a text to who knows where and they can instantly communicate with me back let alone this, this idea that, that because of modern day transportation, uh, to get from point A to point B is no big deal. This is, you know, they're going to drive that distance. You can, you can drive 1,300 miles if you're a glutton for punishment, man. You can drive through. But it's still not going to take that long to go that distance. And if I don't want to drive that long, I simply jump on an airplane. And I get there even quicker. And I wonder how much of that causes us to, to really take our relationships for granted. I can just text them. I don't have to, 
don't have to call him anymore. I can just text him. Even here, even here on a Sunday morning, how often do we miss out on fellowship because, well, after all, they're, they're all the way on the other side of the sanctuary. You laugh, and it is kind of funny. But honestly, how often do we... Where'd they go? Oh, I think they ran downstairs. Oh, they're all the way in the basement. Right? How often are we in such a rush to get to our car, to get to lunch, that we neglect others? How often do we neglect others simply because of the busyness that we feel? How often do we justify all this because after all, I'll see them next week. Life is precious. We're not guaranteed with that. I can pray for them some other time. Probably not that important right now. The Holy Spirit laid it on my heart to pray for this person, but, but it doesn't have to be now. I can get that hug later, right? Please don't let your life get so busy that you miss out on the fellowship with your family, your brothers and sisters in Christ. Please don't do that. COVID tried. The shutdown tried. But I'll tell you what, that first Sunday, we were closed five Sundays because we were told we had to be. But then when it was like, hey, stuff can start opening up. It was like, that was on a Thursday. I remember it plainly. And, and uh, things were opening up, right? And, and, and some of the board members called me and, and said, hey, what, what, what are we going to do? I'm like, man, we're having church. We're open. And, and, and Bruce, bless his heart, he said, hey, do you want me to come over and, and, and help organize the, 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 the seats so that we're not too close together. And I love his heart and his willingness to come over and do that. But my stubborn streak overrode that. And I said, no, we're not changing the seats. I'll throw out an email. We got to be smart because at that point we didn't know what we were dealing with. I sent out an email. And I said, hey, this is what we're doing. We're having church Sunday. Whatever you think. If you want to come, come. If you want to watch online, watch online. If you want to come and wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. Probably the smart thing, though, is it's just to be safe. Probably don't shake hands and especially don't hug. And you know what happened that first Sunday after five weeks of being apart? Oh, my gosh. Everybody hugged. They were saying, hey, if you're above this age, you're at higher risk. You couldn't pry them apart. They needed that hug way more than they needed to follow a government restriction. And that's important. And we see that. We see that taking place in this conclusion. Paul is, Paul is exerting that, that burden and that love that he has for these people. Paul, Paul would have wanted to go see these people in person, but he couldn't. He was in prison. 
Even though it's a thousand miles away, that bond was so tight, the compassion comes through. The burden for prayer comes through. What I'm trying to tell you is, is don't let the busyness of life get in the way of your fellowship in Christ with other believers. Amen. See, this right here is what I choose to take from part 26 of this message. I'm not going to say that this is the most important principle that we take from this entire series, but I'm sure not going to say that it's not important. They're all of equal importance. So the conclusion, part 26, is an application that we can choose to put into our life this morning and this week. With that being said, I chose that, that, that this morning was, a, was an important, just a, a great day to close this service with communion. It's communion with the Lord, absolutely. But it's also communion with each other. So today, I don't ask you guys for a lot, right? I, don't, I just don't preach that way. But today, this is what I'm going to ask of you guys. That as you receive your elements today, instead of just returning to your seat, I'm asking that you guys will get sticky. Right? I want you guys to get sticky. I want you guys to clump up together with each other. I want you to join with others. Maybe it's people that you don't know. Maybe it's people that you don't really know. Maybe it's, maybe it's those that are closer than, than a true blood relative. I want you guys to clump up. I want you guys with each other. I want you guys to encourage each other. I want you to pray for each other. I want you to love on each other. I want you to make time and I want you to go out of your way this morning to be with your family in Christ. And then we'll get all together at the end. You don't have to return to your seats. If, if I could magically, I don't really believe in magic, unless it's Narnia magic, then that's the good magic, but, but the other magic, no. But if, but if as you guys are, are getting your elements, man, if I could just snap my fingers and all the chairs in here would disappear, that would be amazing. Because I don't want you just simply returning to your chairs and, and standing there and saying, okay, now what? I want you guys clumped up, sticky, stuck to each other, talking and loving on each other. And then, then we'll come back together. Not in your chairs, wherever you're at. And you'll turn the attention and, and we'll turn the attention on Jesus and we'll, we'll, we'll take communion together. Can we do that this morning? Yeah. I know we can. I have faith in you guys. So worship team... Come on up. Jen's got at least two songs ready. So we're going to take as long as we need. But like I said, in your busyness, do not miss out what God has for you today. Amen? So as they come up, and, and I should have called them up earlier, I'm just going to get the communion stuff ready. I'm going to open it up. You don't have to rush up here. Take your time. We have time this morning. Man.
We like a sticky church. I told Charlie, maybe our next t-shirt, sweatshirt should be Bridge Assembly, the sticky church, right? Because that's a, that's a Christian principle, right? We are to stick up. Guys, I am so proud of you guys for, this is, this is church, right? We have to understand this right here, this is church. It's, it's exalting God, it's praising Jesus, and it's hanging out with each other and loving on each other. I, I, I love the look on your faces to love on each other. Well, let's, let's partake in communion. I feel like we've had communion with each other, just the start, but let's have communion with the Lord now. And we know that these are Paul's words, right? These are when he wrote his first epistle to the Corinthians church, and the Corinthians church was having some, a lot of issues. And Paul wrote this out of his compassion to, to correct those issues and, and so that they would um, get back to the basics of a gospel-centered church. So yeah, there were things going on. Some people would, would come and their communion would look real fancy and the poor people would have nothing and they wouldn't associate and they were segregated. There was just all sorts of stuff going on. So Paul comes back and he simply reminds them of the essence of what communion actually is. And he says this in 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. He says, For I received from the Lord himself that instruction which I pass on to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is often sacrificed for you. Do this in affectionate remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant ratified and established in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, remembrance in me. For every time you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you are symbolically proclaiming the fact the Lord's death until he comes again. If you think about it, on that night that, that we know is the Last Supper, Jesus knew exactly the timeline. He knew exactly what was going to happen. He knew exactly what he was headed into. And yet he chose to promote the importance of fellowship in the believers and with him. You knew you were going to be arrested, beaten, scourged, made to carry your cross, horrifically nailed to that cross, and to die on that cross. That night before, would you invite all your friends, wash their feet, commune with them, help them to understand why it's so important for the church to be sticky, and to clump up together. Jesus did that for our benefit and our understanding that, that this is church. This is worship. So we take the bread and we, we take this bread and we, we remember him. We do this in remembrance of Jesus. Everything that transpired 
from his birth to his ministry, to his teachings, to his beating and to his sacrifice. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we hold up this bread and we take this bread, help us to gain that important understanding, Lord Jesus, that that we never forget you, that we never leave you out of our days, but we remember everything that you did. We remember your words and we remember your sacrifice. Go ahead and take your bread. And this juice, the juice is really a, a, a not a, a, a looking back, but a looking forward, right? It's an understanding that, that we no longer live in the old covenant, but that Christmas morning when that baby Jesus was born, it was the start, it was the fulfillment, it was the ushering in of that sacrifice on the cross, the blood that established the new covenant. Thank you, Jesus, that we are no longer under the old covenant, but we can live with you in the new covenant. And when we take this juice, what we're doing is we're not only washing down the bread, we're not only doing it because we're supposed to do it, what we are doing is we are acknowledging and looking forward to Christ's return. Jesus, we thank you for that sacrifice. Let us never make light of it. Let us never forget it, as well as help us to always look forward, having that eternal perspective of your return. Go ahead and take your juice. And Jesus, as we begin to close out this service, may you be glorified in each one of our lives. Lord God, that which we experienced this morning, Help us to convey that, to to testify, to invite others. There are so many people that are lonely and apart, that are unchurched and de-churched, Lord God, that want, they in the core of their being, they want this, but they don't know how to get to it. Help us with this understanding of fellowship. Help us to take this into the streets of the unbelieving community that we live in. Jesus, be glorified, not only right now, but in our relationships, in our actions, throughout our day, through this Christmas season, and well beyond. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we love you, and we pray this in your name. And everyone shout it out. Amen. You guys linger as long as you want. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.